Okay, so today we are talking about the Truman Show. Any particular reason? Just because we fancied it? Um, I had to pick a film. I thought it'd be a good one to talk about. I think I wanted to do a Jim Carrey film because we we had to look at a shit one a while ago. I seem to remember. Did we? Did we look at a shit Jim Carrey film? The Grinch. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but also, I mean, it, it, yeah, just gonna come out and say it's one of my favorite favorite films. I mean, it's Ooh. it's in my top ten. Whoa. Um, <laughs> so That's big words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I haven't watched it in about. Probably about ten years or something before oh. before the other night. So, so we'll did it hold up? No. Did it hold up? Wait and see. Up. As a tease for you, should we introduce who we are? Um, oh yeah, maybe we usually do. I'm Alan. Hello, this is Sol over there. He's a regular correspondent. All right, hi. Yeah, I mean, I know who I am, but who the fuck are you, Alan? Uh, I'm the other guy who's on this show all the time. What? And who There's else have we got guy today? On this show. Yes, and oh. um, we have a woman. Uh, oh, <gasps> called Judy Bignall. Hello. Hello. Hello, Judy, regular uh, guest star of the Diminishing Returns podcast. So, mm. Mm. now, Judy, we got you on here. Now, my recollection is that you really like this film as well. I do. Okay, this is good. I'm going to really be the voice of dissent then, aren't I? <laughs> what? Oh, you <laughs> You're telling me you don't like what this film. <laughs> Um, okay. Oh, how can you? This is completely up your alley as well. Okay. This is like a film that should be everything you like. And what on earth have you got to say that's bad? Well, if about we're it? gonna put our cards on the table, then um, I don't dislike the film at all. But as a broad broad view, I think this is a film that has a really great premise. It ripped off the Twilight Zone. Are you taking the piss out of yourself? <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Um, it's got a really great premise, and I feel, considering the premise, what we actually get is really quite simple. And I've just there's but so that's, much that's what you like. more that I want it to do. I agree. I think I think you, the concept Alan, could you, be a lot oh. more complicated. But I like that this film does what it does, and I, like I say, I think the simplicity is a strength. You like films where two people are sat in a car together and nothing happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How on earth can you say this is too simple? Well, Alan would argue that because that's emotional is, which, complexity yeah. and nuance. So, but uh, this is, is a this high not? concept film. This is, and I just feel like there's so much to do with this that they don't really do, and it just feels like a slightly missed opportunity for me. I well, I mean, there's well, there's loads you could dig into. I, I believe the original screenplay, like. Famously, well, not probably not famously at all, but one of the things the original screenplay had, for example, was Truman uh, frequenting ladies of the night because um, his wife doesn't love him, and so he had to like go out. I mean, I was when I was saying and... that's not really what I meant when I said I wanted something more. Well, no, you know, but my my point is that it was going to dive into how his personal relationships weren't real and how that affected him. But they thought, we'll we'll just streamline it because that's an extra complication that's going to just muddy the waters. Well, no, they, they show that side of things. They show the side of the breakdown with Meryl, but the point no, but you, is it's you know, because but you, he's in love with someone else. Yeah, but you never, so you have the whole fetishizing the woman's face thing. Yeah, but you never see how the fact that his whole um, his emotional relationships are basically false you never really see the impact well, that's because of that to him, him they're real yeah so we never you never dig into that down. the fact that there's there's a woman who's raised him like for 30 years but yet she still doesn't even really like him from the looks of it we like surely even if you're pretending to be someone's mother for that long you would at least have some affection oh. towards them and Hang on, no, no, no. I wouldn't say it comes across like she doesn't like him. It comes across like Not she doesn't love him certainly. No, it's she's just coming across like I mean that woman. I, the few things I've seen her in, she's always playing the pushy upper class mother. So yeah, and they cast I mean, her as his mum. Yeah, but that doesn't come across like she doesn't love him. It's just I she's mean, it she's a character type. She's a social class type. I I, I wouldn't say there's no love. I there. think it's meant very much as this is a woman playing the role of his mother and. Nothing more. No, not at all. No, not at all. I'd say that comes across like a fairly genuine... Which one? I mean, she's not a perfect character, not a perfect mother, but I wouldn't say it comes across like a flawed relationship. I think it comes across incredibly false, and I think that's by design. I I, I think she's meant to be 
an actor doing a job. I, which, but which bits? Which bits? Because I mean, she's only actually in a couple of scenes. Yeah, so with like, him. like when when she when they're out looking for him at the end, she's like, he just needs to hear my voice. Truman, Truman. Yeah. Well, it doesn't sound like she's concerned about him. It just sounds like she's trying to like stop the show falling apart. Oh God! I, it no, sounds I'd like she that. knows how to manipulate the boy she's been raising for however many years. I think you're you're putting a lot of extra well, kind well, of tell me one scene in which she shows any kind of emotional concern. But it doesn't she doesn't have to show emotional concern to show emotion then anything but disdain. Well, when she's using that tone and strokes the picture and goes, "Oh, my little clown," you know, how can you say that that sounds? She's doing cold? it in it front not... of him as a performative say, thing because they're yeah. trying to so? guilt him into feeling bad about wanting to leave. Yeah. Have you have you never had your mum look at a picture of you and go, "Oh, you in that nappy"? I remember when you blah yeah, blah but... blah. Either of your parents. <laughs> well, I have, but I mean, your mum posts my... pictures yeah, of I mean... you on social media all the time. <laughs> I have, but as Alan says, she's doing that in front of him specifically to guilt him into staying in the town because all all the cast are going into oh god, no, and to encourage him to have kids of his own. Yeah, this it's is a like very specific. A whole... This is a it's a thing that mums do. It's not weird. Yeah, and I know. Yeah, we're not saying it's it. weird. It's a thing that mums do. It's not weird. It's an actor faking yeah, but it's, it. It's a thing that mums do. It's not. It's not. Ugh. The point is, I don't think it comes across as completely insincere. I think it's a big step to say that it is completely insincere. I think it's an incorrect step to say it's sincere. I think it's deliberately shown to be insincere. That's I was going to say, I think it's character. very. Deliberately but I'm not saying insincere. it's solely sincere. I'm saying it's not insincere. I think well, you're I, wrong. Basically, I think it's it is insincere. Yeah, I, I think you're trying to make it out to be something very, very calculating. When yeah. actually, I really, I don't think, think it is. Yeah, no, I really, I really it. do think it is. And well, I mean, then, considering look, you're saying that the film doesn't do anything, I'm, I'm surprised because you're actually giving this a hell of a lot of emotional depth when actually there isn't any. Hey, she's got you there, Alan. She's done you. So yeah, <laughs> moving on. But I mean, no, but it's it's true because when the dad, for example, there, there's a. A plot element with the um, the dad being killed off, written out of the show, but then making yeah. his way back onto the show. Now, the initial implication there is almost that the dad, the actor playing the dad, cares about him and misses him. Um, so there is an indication of perhaps um, oh, yeah. he cares about the. I'd say the that comes kid. across as a stronger connection. Then he just takes a job on the show, like yeah, being an actor again, carrying on carrying on the the ruse and the lie so he can't like well hang on he can't so, be hang that on. This concerned was something, about his this was something i found quite interesting because i watched this again uh last night in prep for this and i hadn't seen it for about five years before that but i i'd seen the film probably about four times in total now now last night was the first time i ever clocked that they said in the interview that christoph gives um he says that kirk the guy the, the character uh had tried to get onto set and that's why he's there as the homeless man. And that was him as an actor busting his way onto set and they had to cover it up. Now, I'd never clocked that before. Well, I'd clocked think, wait, it. Wait, what, what did you oh, No, clock? I'd clocked it that they'd started to introduce his character back in as a plot twist to see wait, how Truman what? was going to react. <laughs> were, you, were you on your phone last time you watched it? <laughs> well, bear in mind it was like five years ago and then the first time I watched it I was probably about 13, so... I know, so I was I. Really... <laughs> All right, okay, so you're smart. Shut up. The point is, I hadn't clocked... I thought it was a deliberate decision to introduce the, the father again and see what Truman would do, but I didn't get the premise that it was the actor had found his way on set and then they mm. had to cover it up. I mean, it's not subtle. Yeah, they like they drag him away. He goes up to Truman, then they drag him away. Like Yeah, but I thought that was a deliberate I... thing so that Truman starts thinking about his dad again. No. The point is, your comment just then about the actor coming back and taking a role on the show again, I, I don't think that seems so weird now that I understand that he actually tried to get back on set before. But don't you, don't you think that's a bit odd? Because it, it sets him up as caring about Truman on a, a sort of selfless emotional level, and then he just falls right back into a kind of... Hey, I'll take well, this job. I don't know because I think I think he could have had a relationship with Truman that didn't necessarily boil down to the fact of you know free Truman. He's living a lie. Hey, he no, raised no, no, him no, no, no. as I, his dad, so why not come back into his life as his dad rather than as a liberator? I think it maybe needed one scene just showing his point of view on that. But yeah, no, I mean you can, yeah, yeah. Well, 
try and find some positives. Why don't we try and find some positives? Well, so on, let's talk about positives. Before. I mean, we're, we're, we're already well into the episode, but should we should we talk about what it is for anyone who hasn't seen it? Go on. Then. Go on. Um, well, basically, it's a guy who's. It was a reality TV show before such things had really taken off. Yeah, it's like a fictional world created around this one guy who's being filmed for the show 24 hours a day, doesn't know he's part of a show. And that's it, really. He starts to figure out the uh, conspiracy of his life and figure out something's wrong and tries to break free from it. But it's an ode, it's a love letter to uh, the human spirit, isn't it, Alan? No, can't can't tame the beast. <laughs> well, this rebellious, no, I, uh, rebellious human beings. I don't think that's what it is, really. But it's it's interesting that it's uh, it is really kind of talking about a reality TV culture before it existed. It's ahead of its that time is, in yeah. many ways. And I think watching it now, you you lose that somewhat. I know it's it's yeah. It was quite. It's quite a prescient film in weird ways that mm. I don't think were particularly intentional. I don't think they made this thinking, oh, this television genre is going to take off and become really popular. I think they were just using it as a metaphor, like, wow, wouldn't that be weird? It's just kind of odd, like you say, it, this basically became very close to to actual television. And yeah, I mean, there had been stuff... You know, in in the genre before there there was a documentary, wasn't there, called The Family or something in like the like the seventies or the eighties that was just fly on the wall cameras filming a family. Paul Watson is that who made it? Uh, yes, the guy I uh, interviewed for my dissertation when we oh, did really? my degree. Yeah, I mean, it's not like the first time anyone had thought to film real people and see what happened. Yeah, and, and like I say, there's you know Twilight Zone episode predates it. I think it might be from the 80s revival, but um, there's a Twilight Zone episode that does the exact same thing, where a guy realises he's being filmed for a reality TV show his whole life. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. But obviously it's handled as more of a twist than a a thing that we're... Well, that's interesting in you mentioned that, because I think this was originally designed to be a kind of twist, because you don't really know until 40 minutes into the film. You don't get that kind of reveal. What? Yeah, oh, you, yeah do. you do. Straight away. Right up front. Take off the crystal. They're interviewing. The yeah. They're interviewing Marlon and and Merrill, and they're like, "My life is the Truman Show. It's it's a lifestyle." Yeah, but the they these are inserts that they've put in in the edit. I'm talking about the the yeah, book take, of the film. Take that I think out of it. what You're the script right. was originally written as was that there was a reveal, but when they filmed it, they just they decided that you can't do it. We need to. We need to advertise it as what it is. We need to put it in the trailer and stuff. So. That would explain why the exposition dump comes an hour into the film. Yeah, exactly. Which yeah. I'm a big fan of. I like the way it's like, all right, you've earned a bit of exposition now. Here you go. But I, I love the way it kind of is structured in that regard. I, I love that opening imagery of just a big studio light falling from the sky. Mm-hmm. And I think if it was possible to watch this film not knowing what the premise was... I think that would work really well. You'd think, oh, that's uh, very strange. So yeah, no, you're probably right. Actually, that's yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, the, uh, my whole thing with this film is that it's it's set up as an analogy, you know, for real life. It's like uh, we're all sort of enclosed in our little bubbles, and we're all we're all controlled by certain things, responsibilities. You know, you can't go traveling because you got to pay the rent. You know, you get a, you you're married, and so that stops you from doing this. And it's sort of going in that direction, and then it kind of gets lost in this idea of him escaping. And I think the analogy just breaks down somewhere along the way, and and that's what I'm talking about when I feel like there's something more here that I want to get to. Yeah, I feel like it's... it kind of just goes. It turns into a, just a narrative about a guy trying to get out of a fictional uh, TV studio world, which is a bit too literal. You know. Well, how could the analogy continue if he has if he does escape in the end? You know, if he didn't escape, then fair enough, it can all be still an analogy. But if it has to become concrete at some point, then surely that analogy has to. No, no, the analogy he can escape as part of the analogy. That part of the analogy is someone choosing to like move away from their hometown. Okay, but that is what happens. Yeah. No, I'm not saying the analogy is lost completely. I'm saying it's never quite explored as much as I want it to be, and it just becomes a bit more about, uh, like I say, I, just I, a narrative. 
I'll admit that I think there's maybe three or four kind of um, thematic subtexts running <laughs> concurrently, mm. um, which I, I I don't think personally is too much of a problem because I think they all work. Um, I I never quite feel like it gets muddy, but I do kind of agree that perhaps some of them aren't delved into as deeply as they could have been done, but that's fine for me. I, I, see, I just wanted it to be a little bit more subversive or or even satirical, like perhaps just a bit I darker. Think it's extremely satirical, subversive. Yeah, but no, no, I don't think it is. I don't think it's really kind of claiming it in the way it should be. Like just like imagine if like Paul Verhoeven or someone like that made this film. It was so much more. Okay, it wouldn't be subtle. Be it probably wouldn't be as good, but it would be at least you feel like you're getting the point across. I think this. I don't understand what you're saying. What, what, how does that change with Paul Hogan? Whatever you said, Paul the Hogan, Hulk Hogan, back up and go again. (laughs) What did you say? No, I want Paul Hogan directing this. What did you say? I I want to see that. I want to see that film. It's about Truman Show. An Australian man. Truman Show in Australia. It's not a knife. (laughs) This is a knife. (laughs) Yeah, like that'd be brilliant. It's the Truman Show, but then like he's mowing the lawn, and then his wife comes in and says, "Hi, Truman. You know that (laughs) knife you got in there? That's not a knife." This is a knife. It slices, it dices, it even makes soup and like, holds <laughs> up the new knife set. Brilliant. Alan, what did you say? Um, Paul Verhoeven. Um, but yeah. Oh, no wonder I didn't get it. Who the fuck's that? <laughs> he's a uh, he's a very well known director. I heard the... Paul the Hogan, and I was like, he either means Hulk Hogan or Paul Hogan. <laughs> he did Robocop, Total Recall, uh, uh, Showgirls, Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers. Anyway, but the the point my point is I'm not saying that it would be a better film, but I think it would be like more obviously satirical or, or just darker would but be I nice. Mean, okay, well, what put, do let you, me put it this what way, do you okay? Mean by if you, let me put it this way: if you told me this film was directed by Ron Howard, I would totally believe that. That's how kind of vanilla and straight down the line um, it is. What? I think there's a bit more to it than that. I mean, should we talk about Peter Weir? I think this is a first for the podcast. I don't think we've mentioned him before. No, he's Australian, isn't he? He is, yeah. I mean, he's a. He's so he a... could have done that. He could have done it with Paul Hogan. <laughs> with Paul Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> he's a filmmaker of some great repute. Um, yeah, I, I think he's a very. Um, uh, I think he's very hit and miss. Depends if he's got a good script or not. But I think he's a very good director. Perhaps not yeah. got an over. Bit, maybe a bit less of an auteur than most directors yeah. operating at the level that he is, but. Well, that's it. I think he's he came with a sort of reputation of being a bit arty. You know, we've seen the picnic at Hanging Rock and all this sort of thing. It's very. I have not seen the picnic at Hanging Rock. I have seen a lot of his early stuff, though. I've seen stuff like um, did he do Cars Possession? Was that a Sam? There, I haven't seen the Cars at Eight Paris. I know of it. It's it's completely mad. But or is it another <laughs> one? Is it? Oh, I've seen the Last Wave. That's the early one of his I've seen. The Last Wave. But yeah, I'm not that fussed to be honest about any of his films. Like the Witness is kind of just plodding Witness and boring. Is great. I saw two thirds of Green Card because you were watching it um, when we lived together, and I, I was like, "What is this shit?" He and was. You were like, like, "Oh, I've got to watch it. It's one of the Oscar nominees from." It was. 19- it was Oscar. <laughs> he got Oscar nominated best screenplay. I think it was. Like I mean, that. it did look awful. What I it saw was. It. It's just a shitty rom-com. <laughs> yeah. Considering you're saying though that it's. You know, really vanilla. I can't remember if it was Alan or Sol that just made that comment. But the oh. idea that it's really vanilla. Um, what, the point is, he's for most of the film, it's depicting a really vanilla suburban life. Mm-hmm. And I think it really juices that up with all the crazy little like cuts and camera things and the, yeah, you know, I, the I, way it chooses to depict them. I'm not sure how you can make this topic less vanilla. I think that's a very strange thing to accuse it of when that is one of the themes of the film. I agree. I, I think it would be very difficult to put too much um, directorial style upon this film before you kind of start to eat away at the the premise and feel they're going for. It, 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 You've got a the... crap ton of tiny cameras and they make the most of them in a, in a very artistic way. What else are you meant to do? It routinely feels like you are watching the show. 
uh, by design, it often sort of switches yeah. into oh, this is a camera shot that the you know would be broadcast as part of the yeah the show. You're watching the show now, and as a result, you know it couldn't it wouldn't work the same way if it was um, full of Guy Ritchie camera work or. Well, I'm not really concerned about the visual elements. It's more the the content, really. It's the and what the message of it and. and... Well, I, I think I think primarily it, it's message, it's subtext. I think it's primarily a, an ode to the power of love. So that's probably why you don't like it. Well, that's it. Maybe because if that's the if that's what you're getting out of this story, then that's bollocks. Because it's the, say, it's the weakest part of the film, and and it's also the well, the no. least interesting message in the whole thing. I think well, out of the subtext, yeah. But talking about analogies, though, I think Sylvia or Lauren's character is the is more of an analogy in this film than than some of the other stuff. You know, the, I think him sailing off on the boat, looking at that photo, I see that a lot more metaphorically than than could be depicted literally. But I yeah. think that's the problem. I don't think it comes across particularly. I think it comes across quite literally that he met this girl once, didn't get to know her in any way. But fell in love with her and has been harking for her for fifteen years or whatever it's supposed to be. And I, I just don't think don't it, really... I don't think it's meant to be that he's in love with her so much as he's in love with the idea of her. He's never had so a chance I, to kind of well, no, I think it live is. his life. But that's and... that's my problem. I think it does always come across as living. She he's in love no. with her. We see her running feel... to meet him at the end of the film. It's like that's but I feel, that's not no, a metaphor. I feel like that's he's, literal. He's in love with her because she was taken away. So it's more that he's yeah. trying to get back what's been taken away. Because I get I get the impression that he it, it wouldn't have burned so bright if they'd got to know each other and it had fizzled out by other means. I yeah, think exactly. it's because it was denied. So that's why it stays quite metaphorical. Well, of course. Of course, you're gonna. You're not, love is not gonna last if you actually have to live with the person. That's okay. That's not, just coming from you. But, I mean, that that was the the longest relationship I've had. Obviously, it didn't last, but it you know lasted like six years. So I mean, it's more than a flash in the pan. Yeah. That, that that was no, how no, that yeah, six years is probably about right. It ended badly. Yeah, but hang on, this is this is very biased coming from you, Alan. I mean. This- <laughs> No, my point is, of you course, can't, you can't. Of course, you can't you, you're going to have all of this. You're going to harbor stronger feelings same. for something that has not kind of had the opportunity to let you down or to to show another side. You know, obviously, oh, God, this kind of cynical. this fictional idea of what you're what you're missing is is going to be greater than reality. Obviously, yeah. but I, I feel like there's a middle ground here where, I, like, they could have had it that they had. A different love interest, and then she was started getting guilty about lying to him. So she was going to tell him, and they had to get away, get away from, uh, you know, take her off the show and stuff. Like, just have a sort. Of, they had some sort of relationship, and it was like his first love. And he's no, but I think and... I think it's. Hang on, who are you talking about? The woman, Natasha McElhone. What do you mean? Why would she feel guilty about? Oh, as in if they'd had a relationship? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if if she'd been hired as an actor, they'd introduce her as his high school sweetheart. But then, like after six months or something, she actually fell for him, and she was like, "Oh no, I feel bad about it now." She tries to tell him, they whisk her off, and then they mm. introduce Laura Linney. Like that, I that at least be then, better, actually, I agree. at least then, I could believe that there's love there. And you know, I'm sure we all got feelings as, "Oh yeah, that person I met when I, yeah, my first love or whatever." And and especially if she did still get snatched away, sort of quite suddenly, and he never had the closure. Like that would be enough. That would be enough for me to buy into it. But this, just this woman he met one night and they ran to the beach and didn't even have sex. It's not one night though. He sees her over the course of like the whole school year or whatever. Yeah, it's it's, it's implicitly more than just the few scenes you see. She's meant, yeah, she's meant to be. I mean, if we're talking metaphor and going to sound very wanky here, but she's meant to be the forbidden fruit, right? You know, she she has to remain something that is never achieved in order to fulfil that. Well, no, no, hang on, because mm. no, because Adam eats the fruit, and that's the problem. Okay, okay, but I mean the concept of so Eve. to to motivate someone there, as the forbidden fruit. <clears throat> Actually, no, Adam doesn't. It's Eve, isn't it? Both um, of them. But the, anyway, like she, ha- that's what that's what the impulse is. That's why that's there. Surely, I think that's there, so you don't worry too much about him. You know, mm. he's got. I think yeah. it's just to show there's someone on the outside who's going to well, kind of look after him when he gets out. Yeah, that's that's probably and true. it's more. I don't. I think that's just there so that it's you know a happy ending. It's not too melancholy because otherwise it would be a bit. 
obviously, you know, he's not going to... He's going to go out there and become a major celebrity. He's very wealthy and, and well off, but... Anyway, so there's all this is what I mean by things that are kind of unexplored. Like, the fact that he's locked in a loveless marriage in a very literal sense. There's no love. Uh, she doesn't even particularly like him from the sounds of it. Like, obviously, that's supposed to be like a metaphor for people in trapped in marriages and they've got this yearning to escape. But do they really want something else or are they just not happy with what they've got here? Or what is it? And again, well, it's just... What, so Hang on. So what's your problem with it? Because it just sounds like, like it's asking well, that, that sounds like it Because it feels like it doesn't get explored. It gets lost in... It, it gets does. lost in a very literal sense of that he's in a TV studio and he's not a real person. No, I think it gets explored about as fully as okay, I want well, that explored. I, and... Yeah, I think there's only so much he can explore in the duration of a film that we're not going to bitch about for being too Unless long. Unless the film was entirely about the marriage falling apart on the TV show, in which case we'd be sat here going, well, I like the premise of the film, but I felt like it, it wasted it by just focusing in on this guy's marriage deteriorating. But then that's the kind of film you'd like, isn't it, Alan? That is the sort of, <laughs> it's like that, that downsizing film that just went on some fucking <laughs> tangent about <laughs> environmentalism. That, yeah. Oh, no, 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 that was the main premise. Tangent about uh, Nordic people saving the world that had nothing to do with anything. <laughs> I I think I mean yeah reference lost on me I'm afraid but the, the the thing about the marriage I think that's a good stream that kind of you see progress over the film and it changes and I think Meryl's character is quite interesting I agree thank you this is this is one of those things where the the fact that we're in on it from the beginning actually loses something because I think straight away that character is immediately a bit of a bitch and we don't really like her and she just seems standoffish all the time well we're good we're not gonna like her because she's doing this horrible thing to this man like i don't think we're primed to like any of the actors exactly that's what i mean but what i mean is if we didn't know that and we were introduced to this as okay this is a story yeah it'd be a good twist reveal i think we would have a better journey with her but i think that's one of the and the same as the friend but that's one of the things where we lose something because we know straight away and it just colors everything we see of her I think it really works as it is. I think it works coming in at the stage that we do and being in the know, especially with Meryl, because although you don't get the reveal and he doesn't start realising the breakdown of the world and the conspiracy until a little further in, um, you see him and it just... He doesn't seem happy. Yeah. It all seems to be wearing thin. And so why wouldn't we be introduced to Meryl at that stage where she already seems a bit like a bitch? If we were just introduced to this character and we're like, oh, he's not really happy in his relationship and she seems nice enough. like She's just sort of a Stepford wife kind of character. I wonder what his problem with that is. Maybe he's just not in love with her. Oh, he's this woman that he used to love. Because all that would be fine. But no, but what we're introduced to is, is this is a man living in a fake world. Everyone's lying to him. So when he starts to question the things around him we know why it's that it's literally that it's not some a metaphor for something so else. you just wish it was filmed from the other you just basically wish that we weren't in on it i think that i think just in this for this particular example for these this story and the way that that plays out the wife and the friend and stuff like oh, that no, would, I see, I, would have worked i think it works because of what they do with meryl because it's not too far through where we're given the flashback that first introduced the lauren sylvia character and we see how the camera people like how the the studio they drop Meryl into his lap literally as a di- like as a distraction as a diversion she's she's dropped in here to be the next plot twist to be the next development so there was never any sincerity there was no kind of organic development there she's always been a device mm. so why does it matter that she seems insincere when we because know we that know that always from been the a start. device well, if we if we find that out later on then we can start questioning what she's done and why but I think we discover that with her other friends, like with Marlin, we get a slow reveal where there's that lovely scene where he's saying all these poignant things and it's all being fed into his ear. That reveal, although you suspect that he's probably part of this well, bigger thing as well. Suspect we know everyone's a part of it. Okay, but the point is, he doesn't act like it. He doesn't act like a stepfoot wife. He acts like his best friend. And then but we know that he's not. So it taints everything we see of him. Whereas if we were revealed to it later on, that then we would look back and go, oh, but he seemed so sincere. And oh, maybe he, he has grown to like him over the 30 years they've spent together. 
I think the dramatic irony is really quite nice in those scenes, the early scenes with him and his wife. I don't think they would work the same way. Well, obviously they wouldn't work the same way if you weren't set up knowing the premise and knowing what was going on. Because they'd just be very plain. Oh, these people have a very standard marriage. They're, they're fine. Oh, now it's deteriorating. Oh, I wonder why. Oh, what's going on? Oh, okay. I also like that it gives a few kind of a few levels to the people who would seem so two-dimensional you know the actors playing these people these significant people in his life we wouldn't be allowed those moments that we do get in the film like where he goes to the hospital and Meryl's like they're doing the surgery and it's you literally get the the fact that oh crap we're actors we're not trained to do this and they have to you know find a, a, a way of getting that done I don't think we'd we'd be allowed to see those moments if we weren't in on it. And I think it's a really lovely quality and, and a, a part of the film well, to add in all, that these are actors. That's all coming after the know? reveal. Or that's when you start to see behind the scenes. As Truman well, which, does. At what point would we... you put the reveal in then? Because at the moment, for us, obviously, like we said, the reveal comes at the beginning when she's like, Truman shows a lifestyle, blah, blah. So where would you put the reveal in? Take those, take those first clips out and it's as it is. So an hour in. I don't know, whenever it comes in. There, there's an hour, about an hour in when we have Harry Shearer turn up and go, mm. hey, it's me, Harry Shearer. Here's the ex- exposition dump. Uh, we're going to explain how the yeah. Truman Show works. Well, no, it's not. Hang on. There's stuff before that, isn't there? Like, he's heading left on Lancaster Street, blah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but it's blah. these little... It's in the same way that Truman is getting these little kind of like, oh, what the fuck's going on here? So do we. I, th- I don't. I don't. I'm not saying this is speculative. I think that's why it was f- how it was filmed. I think it was written and shot like that, and then in the edit they've gone. Ah, let's stick this thing at the beginning. I but think, I think probably... they've made that correct choice. I think they've made the right choice for the edit that, that they didn't. But do you at least accept it that it makes a significant difference to the way we view the characters? Oh, completely, it does. Whether yeah. you think it's good yeah, probably, or bad, probably. But but you're seeming to say that it's a, a big problem. Yeah, and I think, and, it, I'm, and I'm just saying it's I think not. it works fine, and I think your way would work as well. I, I think you, you might well be right. I think it might have been written that way. I don't think it was shot with that in mind, because the, the, the big bit in the middle with Christoph and Harry Shearer just wouldn't quite fit right, I don't think, if, if that was your big, like, right, we're going to just explain what everything is. There are things that I that I see that I really like and it's dependent on me knowing the concept without Truman knowing it so things like where they drop in all the product placement and they drop in all the adverts and then in order to see how they got dropped in so strangely and we're able to be in on it and then you see Meryl towards the end trying to carry on like I've tasted other cocos this is the best you have to have seen you know the the boxes she has to tick yeah well, in order for well, that, that to make that's sense, what I mean, that would have worked so much better if we didn't know. And and then no, we'd just be no, like, it that was a weird kind of like, it's particularly specific no, it naming wouldn't. of no, a brand it, there. What's that it, about? It requires it requires you to know. I, in fact, I was quite I was disappointed because I saw that I thought that's very funny, and then I and then I was disappointed when later on they go, oh, so you you know you generate a lot of yeah, value through product I, placement, I, and it's like they overexplained yeah, it. I, I thought I had that the exact okay, same yeah, moment they, they did over. They, yeah, they almost it. didn't need to say it on there. They didn't need to say about product placement. But you have to, you as the audience member, have to at least be aware that that's not normal. Because there was no way that you were going to watch that without any reveal and kind of go, oh, that's normal. Well, exactly. That's what it is. You're watching it and it's going like, there's something off here. What's yeah, going on? But I, think, but I think in order to have that payoff of seeing, you know, you know the, the actor... Like I said, having a series of boxes they have to tick and hoops they have to jump through, you have to be in on it at the beginning to be able to get the the real gravitas behind Meryl doing it later. But I think I think and, I'm saying the exact opposite. I think that having not knowing that reveal and seeing those little elements would actually make them more subtle, and the payoff would oh, be sweeter. No. Mm, no, I don't think it's a reason to fault the film just because you think it might be done might have been written differently i think it still delivers the punch that it should pu- deliver but that's well here's the thing if they opinion. had done it without spoiling it at the beginning and having a reveal later on that would have annoyed me because it would have been watching this sort of this film about a guy who's sort of trapped in a, a little world and he's a loveless marriage and all that and then it would have been like oh but it's actually he's literally trapped in a thing and that would have annoyed me because i would have like why can't it just be about a man who hates his wife and wants to leave 
So there was no winning. You acknowledged no there would winners. be no winning. Okay, Not with me. Cool. All right. So, Sol, what did you think of the film? Because I've wasted my time on Alan. So. Yeah, yeah, I like it. I think it's good. <laughs> okay, shall we rate it? Hang on. Well, hang on. No, do you want to... I mean, I don't know. I know you guys aren't particularly big on movie soundtracks and stuff, but oh, I'd like to make beautiful. a mention to say this is one of the most sublime movie soundtracks ever. Really? I didn't like it. Is, oh, fuck's sake, Alan. <laughs> The track in particular called Truman Sleeps, which yes, is when he strokes yes, his that's nose, one of my which favorites. is the, um, one of the nicest bits of film music I yeah. I know of. Um, I don't know if the rest of the music's as No, it is. There's great, another one called Raising it, it the Sail. Certainly, certainly works well in the context amazing. of the film. Well, I, there was a couple of moments where I thought, the music's really like over the top and kind of a bit too much, but then it kind of... That's and then they make back it and you see there's a guy it, yeah. actually playing the music. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah, it's, exactly. it's diegetic, and so you kind of go, okay, it's it's the TV show. It's the yeah. Thing, yeah, which actually makes perfect sense. I, so really I, well, I loved yeah. the bit where they're kind of conducting that um, the father and the son meeting, and he's like easy on the fog, and and then the music swells. I thought it was just such a nice touch. <laughs> Speaking of the people in the moon. Um, <laughs> Paul Giamatti really stands out. He's he's one of those people who will just bring so much to a small role. Is he the one that fucks actor. up when Truman's asleep? Yeah, yeah. the, the okay, cool. producer or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, just Paul Giamatti is such a brilliant actor. And I mean, this is about the same time he was doing Big Mama's House. He he hadn't quite. <laughs> oh, the, I was going to say. Is, 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 I was going to ask if I was this like, was why are you mentioning this guy? <laughs> if this was before he'd broken out into. Well, I mean, Paul Giamatti's a very. No, I know. Well respected. Uh, he's kind of like a Philip Seymour Hoffman type, isn't he? He's kind of mm, like yeah. he's probably the guy who, who was like most elated when Philip Seymour Hoffman died because he was like, "Oh, brilliant, <laughs> some work." I'm gonna, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna get a... some. I'm gonna get some more work from that one. But yeah, like he's the one that stands out in the, in that cast, and like obviously has the most to do. But it's just a classic example of an actor doing a lot with not a lot. Do you know what I mean? Like on the page, not, yeah, not you could lot. have get a mediocre actor in that, and it would have just been a you know throwaway but so what about ed harris then good yeah very yeah. good he's good actor, he's a good actor right? yep mm. happy with that this is one of those roles that could be done in like 10 completely different ways and in a very different feel to it yeah so do you think this is the right choice i do because i think i think most of the other ways would have been like a Karl Lagerfeld comedy <laughs> sketch. <laughs> I think it would have, it could be very easy to do as an eccentric and overdo. I yeah, I think it's dialed back just enough to to work. Yeah, it's a little it's a little bit too cold for me. There's just something missing. I'm not. He is a little. I think cold, it's deliberate. I think that's but, deliberate. Yeah. Yeah, I do think it's deliberate. I'm just not sure it's the choice I want. But I also I like that he's the like he oversees everything, but he's not a father figure. I like I kind of like that weird dynamic they've got mm. especially when it comes like it boils down to it near the end and he's saying like he's really strategically trying to think about what Truman would do because he knows he knows the man because he's watched him grow and then he's saying we're not watching the sea and then there's there's that lovely bit where he's just kind of watching him and and wondering where he's going and I think it's nice because that never feels like a father figure but it feels like someone who's yeah, just I think knows. Let's say it was a deliberate choice to not make him a father, yeah. fatherly towards. Oh, I think Truman. he's a he's a god a... analogy, if anything. Well, isn't yeah, he? but but yes, but then I don't know if that. Partic- well, obviously that's what they're doing, but it's, it's, I don't know if it. Comes I think it works. I, I think I think it's a it's got an anti anti religious streak. It's got an element of fuck you, God, and I love films that do that. But when when you just said that phrase. So when you said it's a god figure, if anything, I think that's the best way of describing it. Because again, I don't, I don't see it as like, oh, okay, so he's god. But there's, there's meant to be that, that sense. I think. I, I, think I don't think you're meant end. to pinpoint one, well, especially because it's the voice in the clouds and the sun's coming down. And, yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah. when he calls himself like the creator. Yeah, of but at the end, and... you know, God's kind of saying to him, "Hey, man, I love you," and that, and he's like, "Fuck you, God. You're talking shit. You used me." Leaving. <laughs> okay. But that's it. And then their their final like confrontation where they exchange these words, it's it felt very flat and I don't know, it's a bit of an anticlimax. I mean I, I agree it would have been better if Jim Carrey had a better catchphrase in this one. Yeah, it than, really it uh, would, yeah. In case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. If instead he, he if instead he turned to camera and went, Somebody stop me! And then, like, <laughs> walked through the door. 
<laughs> Smoking! It would have been brilliant. The thing I like about the ending isn't Jim Carrey's reaction so much that Christoph's saying all of this, but it's meant to be a kind of a bit like a seduction. And he's he's literally only saying these things as a last resort to yeah. stop Truman leaving. Yeah. And then the look on his face when he realizes he doesn't have the control, that's what the ending is all about for me. It's not, a, I mean, yeah, Jim Carrey should have a better catchphrase as that character. <laughs> to, to leave. <laughs> but to me, it's about Christoph being at the end of his rope. I like the uh, I like the Jim Carrey's catchphrase bit on that because of what it says. It's because that him doing saying that to the neighbours is him acting. It's him performing like this yeah. false sincerity of this happy life that he lives. Oh yeah, like it. So it I like works. that. It kind of brings back the whole sense of like, are we all acting in our lives? Or is it all is it all just bullshit? Hey, hey Alan, you might like this. This might sound more like how you wanted the film to be. It might sound. It sounds like it might have worked more for you like this. I'm just reading here. Uh, apparently Truman was meant to be just out of high school, but Jim Carrey, obviously being in his thirties, it, it it got rewritten to accommodate being more of a midlife crisis. Oh no, it's better that it's a midlife crisis mm-hmm. for sure. I think I think it might have. Well, worked. Alan would I have watched it, it as a teen, like a teen character, and then being like, "Oh, he's a whiny little bitch." Like, no, I think I think, I think it would have worked very well as a quarter life crisis film, like The Graduate, where you kind of don't know quite what you're doing with your We're life, discovering and your adulthood. And yeah, 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 yeah. I think that's an interesting point in life to explore, and it would have made more sense with regards to the. Um, the romantic element. That's what I was thinking. The, yeah, yeah. The pursuit yeah, of young when love. You're, yeah, when you're a teenager, love is like a little Yeah, but you can't of... get stuck in a marriage that you're unhappy with if you're yeah, a teenager. Yeah, you lose that. Yeah, but that, and I that's mean, a that, big that part was, of it, That I was think. presumably written very differently. And um... While we're talking about age, so <laughs> Truman's supposed to be 29. Um, Jim Carrey is about, what, 38 or something like that? Truman's um, meant to be 29? Yeah. I would have said about 30. I would have got mid- Mid to late thirties. Well, that's how old Jim Carrey is. <laughs> but uh, I mean, there's a there's a clock. There's a there's a day counter on the thing. It's so many uh, ten thousand or something. Yeah, just short of thirty years. Oh, so it's quite specific. Jim Carrey is older than the character is supposed to be. Though, but then we flash back to when they're like, <laughs> he looks so fucking young, and Marlon doesn't. <laughs> but they're the, they obviously yeah. this is ninety eight. They haven't got the de aging uh, technology that we have today. So they just comb <laughs> it his hair works out. It's fine. Great. It's oh, Jim Carrey fine. looks younger. It's, Marlon doesn't. It, it's a. It's a. Um, you know, it, the suspension it's, it's of disbelief. Suspension of yeah. disbelief works. I, <laughs> yeah. I agree. It's it's on the face it just, of it is ludicrous, just, but it works. But fine. then also. Christoph, who's been in charge of this for 30 years and presumably must have been, you know, fairly well on in his career in a position of power to achieve all this. So how old do you reckon he should be? I think his character is meant to be like 49. So that means he would have been 19 when it started. I'll go, I was going to say, I'll, I was going to say, I'll go 59, 60. No, actually, I'm going to go 60, 64. Well, hang on. He doesn't have to have been... No, we see he's, he was there. The head the f- runner, isn't he? Yeah, it's his, no, concert. Yeah, it's, it's his concert. It's his thing. It's his entire thing, yeah. Which is like, I think you just need someone a little bit older because Ed Harris was, I think he's 48 or something like that. When oh, I would, I've had him pegged as like a 64-year-old. He, he probably would have, he looks a bit older. But yeah, I think you need, having a much older guy on that would have... But he, he comes across like one of those old men who's aged very well, like a, <laughs> like a, an eccentric, you know, fashion designer. <laughs> yeah, he wears like a an indoor coat dressing gown thing half the time. It's very strange. <laughs> the indoor coat. And a beret. Yeah, it's a good look. Um Judy. Wait, Julie. Judy. Judy. Who the fuck's Julie? <laughs> Judy, if you if you were given the opportunity to help one of your favorite podcasts for as little as one dollar a month would you take oh it? my god i'm not pimping myself out what are you talking about <laughs> no not yourself us <laughs> donate one one dollar a month you, to would you. you pay one dollar a month to get extra great material from your favorite podcast hey i do I or pay maybe one of your top sort of five favorite podcasts so i i pay fucking i pay five dollars a month for that shit you, I, I pay, to there's a there's a podcast I listen to. I pay him five dollars a month. Do you know what they do for that? One bonus episode a month. Oh shit! I know it's a fucking rip off, isn't it? How many bonus episodes have we done this month alone? Like uh, four, five. <laughs> Got more on the way. We don't even know how many. We've lost count. 
So no, Julie, what are you saying? Are you saying that you you're not interested in financially supporting people who well, work for, for, for one thing, you're working in dollars, which is it's like seventy pence. Yeah, about 75 p. It used to be about sixty p. Then Brexit happened. I now swear, it's, about it's more 75p. like eighty five p. Okay. No, I I, I checked anyway. I checked um, about two three days ago the actual conversion, and it was like seventy five p. Um. Well, then in theory, yes. However, are you asking me if I will be doing? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Jim Carrey yes I think he's very well cast oh I, I think this is yeah I, I think he, he he makes the film it'll be a very this good is, film think, without yeah. him but he, he elevates it to a whole it's new it's one level. of my favourite Jim Carrey films I think it's probably my favourite Jim Carrey film I think it's probably the best work mm. he's done as an actor which mm. I say is high praise because I think he's actually, I think he's a very talented actor I, do, he's I think he's a very good actor uh, I think he's a very good actor as well but I don't know I wouldn't put this at the top end of... well what what would you put at the top cable guy Re- well that, that's really? the other thing I'm mentioning yeah performance wise <laughs> <No>. <laughs> hang on hang on performance wise he gives an amazing performance in cable guy yeah, it's a good comedy performance. I don't know if it's yeah. quite the same level. But it's not just comedy, it's unnerving. And I think he's portraying something that at the time wasn't really acknowledged as what it should be now. Yeah, I like him in Cable Guy, but I don't think it's quite the same level of acting as... Uh... Well, no, it's not It's not poignant. But Well, not even that. I just, I just don't think he's quite bringing the degree of depth to it, uh, or even trying to. Well, that you get. No, but it's a, I, still, I think it's a very good performance still. I mean, I'd certainly put Cable Guy above his performance in Mr. Popper's Penguin. Yes, ma'am. Ace Ventura, maybe. No, I was going to go with one of the good ones. No, Ace Ventura. Oh, Ace Ventura is, is different. There's a comedy performance. It just completely that character. Yeah, you couldn't put that into anything else, but it's perfect for that role in that film. I put it on. I'd, I'd say it's yeah, just as just the same as kind of Cable Guy in the sense of what he achieves. It's a lot better. Well, the film's a lot better, but I'd. Characterization wise, mm, I, think, I, I think he's nailed them both. Ventura, no, Ooh, what as a film? Yeah. Soul. What the hell? I don't think Ace Ventura is that great, to be honest. They're both amazing. I think the second one's better. <laughs> um, final note. Uh, I just want to say how how beautiful the imagery is at the end with him uh, walking off into a door in the sky. Yeah, I like this. I like when it's like the wide shot and you can see the stairs of what the sky. Yeah, is. yeah, yeah. That, that, I mean, that's one of the all-time great film scenes, if you ask me. Mm. It's just, that's film as a medium at its best mm. there. Do you want to rate it? Yes. Yes? Nine. Um, so? Uh, ten. Ten! Yeah. I, I how was many, debating How many ten. tens have we been given out in this... Ding dong. So seven out of ten podcast. Hello. Ding dong. There? Yeah, baby. <laughs> is that the ten out it's, of ten Austin oh, Powers? It's, it's the long awaited return of Austin Powers, Judy. <laughs> oh, no. Is this a thing? I don't remember this. Oh, what, yeah. Long, where, Groovy, baby. What did I miss? I don't even remember time. this. I've definitely been on every episode. <laughs> <laughs> Does the Truman Show make you horny, baby? Okay, thank you. <laughs> well, and you don't know either. <laughs> right. I gave it seven. What? Seven? Yes. Oh, you're such you're such a hypocrite. Why? Because you're, you're all about these films that do the things that the Truman Show does, and then and like you what? rate them down, and then a film like probing questions and focusing on one person. It just left me feeling a bit flat. Like there was something more to be it's done it's here, depressing. and I didn't get it. And it, everything just was a little bit that, too. That is not justifying a seven. Middle that of is the road justifying for me. an eight. No, seven is what I gave. No, him. I can't believe that means you gave Wonder Woman higher than this. Well, yeah. And I think you should feel ashamed. Strangely, though, I don't. Well, you should. Um. So. That gives Truman Show an 8.7. Does that go on to our top 10 at all? Is it high enough for that? Fuck it. I want to give it a 10 now just because of you being a book. I mean, you can change it if you want, but I don't know. I was going to change it. I was on I was on the fence about giving it a 10 anyway, but Alan's angered me. Ooh. It should be higher. Well, well I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about this. That, that feels like uh, <laughs> that feels like a 10 doesn't... No, you can, you can st- Aust- Aust- you 10 can powers. 9, but I was thinking Aust- about... 10 powers. 
Ten's got to have integrity, baby. Yeah, baby. Just go changing things on a whim. <laughs> no, I was I was on the fence, but you it won't be it officially annoying, endorsed. But I was on the fence. Ten powers. That's that's all. <laughs> that's okay. I do not mind. It might be officially endorsed by uh, Ernest Borgnine. Doc Ten Evil. <laughs> oh no, that doesn't work. Doc Ten Evil, whose evil scheme is to give one million tens. <laughs> Oh you can't see, but I did the little thing with my little finger. <laughs> anyway, look, how does that rate on our diminishing returns top film monitor? Uh, in at number eleven, <sighs> tied with Die Hard and A Clockwork Orange. Oh, fuck two of my other off. favorites. Two of my other favorites. Truman Show. I mean, I know it's one of your favorite, but the Truman Show definitely deserves higher than A Clockwork Orange. <laughs> Had had Judy given it a ten, it would be number seven, joint with Edward and American Beauty. <sighs> That's where it belongs. I mean, I, I I will accept it. Definitely should be higher than American Beauty. Certainly, I think it should be on a level with American Beauty. But I don't, and that's why the overall score has been brought down. That's the that's the way this works. Yeah, demo- democracy, the thing that you always rally against, Alan. And I feel like you're now just trying to teach us a lesson. <laughs> he deliberately brought it lower. I didn't. That was my honest you feeling. You did. Okay, so that's the Truman Show. And good to see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Judy. Thank you for listening. And if you enjoy the show, then please do help us spread it around. Share it with a friend or a loved one. And uh, hopefully we'll get some more listeners. That'd be nice. And if you would like extra content from your favourite podcasters, then you can get it at patreon.com forward slash dimreturns. We charge just $1 a month for access to all our extra stuff. Uh, This week, for example, we went and watched Captain Marvel and we reviewed that. We also watched Afterlife, which is the new Ricky Gervais show that's on Netflix. Uh, We've uh, talked about that. Little things like that, basically, we go and review things. Also, sometimes in there we'll get uh, early episodes going out uh, if we get them edited early, although usually I run to this deadline. (laughs) And that will also give you the opportunity to join in our uh, vote at the moment to, uh, to decide on the topic of a future episode. So do get involved. It all just helps us keep the website running and covers uh, a little bit of our costs. It's all very helpful to us. But if you don't want to part with your hard-earned cash, uh, but you do want to get a bit more involved with us, you can come and chat to us on the Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Diminishing Returns podcast. But at the very least, keep on listening. Next week, Dumbo, the latest in a long line of Disney remakes. And the first of at least three this year is going to be Aladdin and Lion King that we'll be covering at some point over the summer. So, do join us next week. Bye!